Welcome to the Practically Speaking Mom podcast and to Val's ongoing occasional series, Life-Giving Words. In this series, parents learn how to reshape the way you say things. It's about small word changes or big concept adjustments that speak life-giving words of blessing over your child's identity and over their future. Kids need help navigating all the world's messages, their own internal struggles with their negative self-talk, and they need to be reminded of the truth that they have intrinsic value, that they were designed with purpose. The Life-Giving Word series is about shifting our words in ways to breathe life into our kids. Proverbs 18.21 says that in our tongue we hold the power of life and death. Intentional moms, let Val Harrison, the Practically Speaking Mom, encourage and equip you to speak life-giving words over your child's identity and future in today's episode from the Life-Giving Words series. Of the decisions we make in our life, how many of those decisions are determined by the labels that we mentally wear? Now, these could be labels that others have placed on us and we allow them to stick and stay. Or it could be labels that we believe that others have said about us. Maybe we've misinterpreted other people's actions or words or attitudes and taken those on as certain labels for us to wear. Maybe we believe no one cares about me and we wear that as a label. Or maybe we believe I always mess things up and then we wear that as a label. These kind of statements about ourselves, they impact the choices we make. They impact the attitude we have, the actions we take, the words that we speak. So the better we can understand, of course, our own labels, but also understand our children's labels, we will understand their actions better. We will understand what is influencing their decisions, their attitudes, their words. What would be even greater is if we can help them understand the labels they're wearing and how they are allowing those to impact their lives. One way that we make them more aware of the labels that they're wearing or that they're allowing to stick is for us to look at the nine circles of influence in their lives. And we talked about these last week. Now this week, I had told you that we were going to continue that by a conversation between myself and my 12-year-old daughter, my youngest daughter, Emma. But I have since decided that there needs to be another podcast in between. So part one was in episode 129. And then this week is episode 130. And it is part two of the circles of influence in your children's lives. So these labels that we allow to impact our decisions and our attitudes and our actions and our words and the way we handle the relationships, these labels really, they're sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Rarely do people rise above the labels that they wear. We need to help our kids filter those labels. You know, what ones need to get off of there and what ones are good for us and should stay. At the very core of your child is their heart and soul. And I'm just going to abbreviate that by saying their heart. Think of a circle around their heart and then another circle on the outside of that, another circle on the outside of that, and another circle on the outside of that. And so the closer the circle is to your child's heart, the bigger influence they have. The very closest circle in is their God circle, their relationship with God. 
And you might think, well, my child, I'm not even sure they have a relationship with God, or actually my child has a bad relationship with God. They think God hates them, or they hate God, or they don't believe there is a God. So I don't think that circle's therefore there in their life. Well, I believe that actually whatever labels they are wearing about themselves in relation to God and any labels they're wearing about God, all of these are intricately impacting who they believe they are, which impacts the decisions they make, the attitudes they take, the actions they take. All of these things about their outward is impacted by this very internal relationship with them and God. So in other words, if they believe that the creator of the universe loves them, then that affects their decisions. If they believe that they were made with purpose, for a purpose, if if they believe they were intricately designed, if they believe that all people have intrinsic value and worth, this impacts the way that they make decisions and the way they carry themselves. If they believe that all people were created to be loving and patient and kind and generous and good and faithful and trustworthy and truthful, if they believe these core things about who they are as a child of God, that does affect the decisions they make, which affects who they become as an individual. So the next circle out from that is their relationship with you, their parent. Now, it could be that you're going through a season in your life where your relationship with them is kind of strained. Something has happened that could have been your fault. It could have not been your fault. But nevertheless, they are building some walls between you, their open heart to you. Yes, as a parent, we can control a lot of things in our child's life, but we cannot control their vulnerability to you. We cannot control their willingness and openness to reveal their fears and their wounds and what makes them angry, what makes them motivated. All of these things, their thoughts in general, we cannot force a child to be transparent with us like that. So the more that we are responsible in treasuring their heart and in recognizing their value and in repairing when we have created heart wounds, then the more open they become, more and more open or more and more closed, we have to maintain the right to influence our child. And really it is this motivation that has me writing the book, Your Love Becomes Their Strength, answering the six questions of your child's heart at every age. As I studied, well, okay, as I began to see wounds would sometimes occur in my kid's life, like heart wounds that would make them start closing down in relationship with me. I became more and more aware of this more and more looking at what causes that and how can I fix that? Because I don't want it to stay that way. I don't want to have broken relationship with my kids. I don't want to not be an influence in their life. I don't want them to be avoiding vulnerability and and transparency with me. So I need to, to work on this and figure this out. So of course, I went to scripture 
because our God is the ultimate example to us of how to parent. He is the perfect heavenly father who designed parenthood and childhood and all aspects surrounding that. So he is the one who is our perfect example. And so as I began searching in scripture, looking for how does God love And I would be sharing things that I would find with my husband, Rich, and pretty soon we were like, wait a minute, this stuff is falling into categories. And then when I began looking at the different wounds that I've had or that my kids have had or that other moms share with me about their children or themselves, I was seeing that those were falling into the same categories. So that then gave me some structure to look even more with. And I began to see these patterns in scripture of how God loves us and how that impacts our heart. And thus the book about the topic of answering the six questions of your child's heart or the six longings of their heart. And so this is a lifelong quest of learning how to more effectively love and communicate with them in ways that helps those walls to come down and helps us to be really partnered together in impacting who they are and helping that person to be strong. That second relationship in, they're so close to their heart, their parent-child relationship is just so vital, as I'm sure you already know. All right, let's move out from there. The next layers out from that is the people who live with them, their siblings, usually maybe a grandparent lives with them, whoever lives with them. What labels are those people giving to your child based on how they treat them, what they say to them or about them, whether they treat them with honor and kindness and dignity and whether they are honoring their hearts impacts how your child perceives themselves. And so as you become more aware of these layers of influence in your child's life, then you can begin impacting those layers of influence as well. Do you need to have a conversation with that grandparent that lives with you or that your child sees every day? Do you need to have a conversation with maybe a sibling? Maybe it's a younger child that's impacted by the older sibling. And you need to have a talk with that sibling about, hey, listen, God designed you to be an older sibling to your younger sibling. And you are shaping their perception of themselves by the way you treat them. When you talk to them with that tone, or when you won't look them in the eye, or you you blow them off when they ask a question, or you never desire to spend time with them, or, well, it appears that you never desire to spend time with them. All of these messages are attaching to your younger sibling and becoming a part of their identity. Now, on the flip side, You'll also want to be having a conversation with your younger child and letting them know, hey, you know what? Your older sibling, God put you in their life for a reason. And you have opportunity to be a blessing to them. You have an opportunity to pour love into them in a way that nobody else can. Only you are this sibling to your older brother or sister. So let's figure out some ways that you can be more of a blessing to them and build them up. Because even though they're older than you, they still have struggles too. And so when they aren't treating you right, I want you to know I'm working on that with them and I see that in them. And I am not going to let that just happen because you are too valuable to mistreat in any way. So I'm addressing that with them, but I want you 
to do two things about that. One, I want you to be praying for your brother or sister, because if they're not treating you right, chances are they've got something going on in their life that needs some help, whether that's just a character heart issue or whether someone else has been not treating them right or whether something they're worried about, concerned about is impacting then their attitude and the way they're treating you. So you be praying for them, but also it is okay to look them in the eye and respectfully say, when you treat me that way, it makes me feel like this. It makes me feel like you think this. Is that what you think of me? Can we talk about this? You're giving them both a plan of action of how to not take on their sibling's behavior to them as a label to wear, but also you're helping them to be an influencer to these circles of influence in their life. So let's move out from the, so we've, we've done the God circle is the closest to their heart, then the parent circle, then those that live with them, usually their siblings, but whoever it is. And then next out from there is their close friends. And so you can examine that as well. For one thing, parent, how can you be more aware of the messages that may be being sent to your child from that close friend group? Maybe some of those close friends are not healthy friends for them to have. You need to be praying about this, that God would give you insight, that he would show you truth, like reality of what is really going on. We have to be praying about our kids' relationships. We have to equip them to take some ownership in those relationships and to literally draw these circles for your kids and let them see, you know, you have them as an inner circle friend right now, but their behavior, are you sure that they deserve to be an inner circle friend? You need to be as aware of as possible and you be as proactive as you should be and you be equipping your child to be proactive about these circles of influence in their lives. So the next circle out from there, we just did close friends. The next one out from there is their general friends. Sort of, it's their peer group. My daughter has a youth group that she's in and she's in a small group of seventh grade girls And even though not every girl in that group might be her closest friends, there's still someone that's in a pretty intimate relationship that they have in this small group because they're sharing prayer requests with each other and praises and, you know, they're doing life together twice a week. So that's pretty impactful. So how can I be involved in that? Well, she didn't want me to be in, she didn't want me to be one of the leaders of her small group. And I totally get that. We homeschool, we're together a lot, and I want to give her that space. So what did we opt for instead? Well, Rich is one of the seventh grade boys small group leaders. So he's in the same room with her. He's hearing what the youth pastor is saying, and he is getting to have a bird's eye view of what kind of girls are in Emma's small group and he is getting to know the boys that will be a bigger, you know, part of her life as they move on through the teen years. And then I help being a greeter in the youth group. So welcoming new kids, helping them acclimate, that kind of thing. And then also having different parties and activities for the seventh grade girls or the seventh grade girls and their moms, even better, right? So this is some ways that I have thought, how can I be strategic, intentional in this layer of influence in my daughter's life? 
And the next group out from there, this is the people who are permanently in their lives. Generally speaking, this is your extended family. Because those extended family members, the choices they make in their own lives creates a label on your child. This is who our family is. This is how our family behaves. But also that extended family member, maybe the way they interact with your child could be putting labels on your child as well. And so sometimes that means a conversation with that person, or it means a conversation with your child or both, or it means getting together less with that extended family, or it could even mean getting together no more with an extended family member, depending on boundaries that might be being crossed or, or safety issues or how bad of an influence is going on there, or whether it's just something small, maybe it's some attitude thing, or maybe they listen to music that you're not okay with or something like that. Well, then you want to keep a minimal amount maybe of time with that person, but you understand the value as well in keeping that permanent relationship in place. So what I'm trying to do is help you see these layers of influence in your child's life, be more aware of them, be more proactive and involved in them. So there's two more layers. Nope, there's three. Those who we routinely interact with, And the next layer out from that is those we interact with maybe even just one time. That could be an interaction with a neighbor. It could be an interaction with the cashier. It could be, you know, a friend of mine went to the mall the other day and they were outside of the mall and someone driving by rolled down their window and yelled something at her son. So of course, even though that was a one-time influence with that person, that interaction could very possibly be a pestering attempt at putting a label on him for the rest of his life. And so he may have to learn how to keep taking that label back off every time his memory tries to stick it back on again. And so as we learn how to equip our kids with the ability to take every thought captive and just sometimes being aware of this stuff, just helping to explain this to them, draw pictures of it, talk about it, the more help it can be. The most outside layer that I did not mention yet today as a reminder is the world. So all of the inside layers are interactions that our kids have different people that our kids interact with. But that outer layer is not the people they interact with. It's just the people they observe. They could observe these people in the news. They could observe these people in TV shows, in movies, in video games, in magazines, in books, anything around them that they're observing, taking in information about how people behave that is impacting their worldview, their view of the world of the human race, and what is common, what is normal for people in the world. What is normal tends to end up being in their mind, what is right, or what is okay, what is fine. That is the outer layer of influence. I want to wrap up today with just two main thoughts about all of these layers of influence. Number one, You want to be intentional, proactive about two things. One, the content that our child is taking in for those eight inner layers, the messages that people are sending your child about them. 
Now, those messages could be unintentional, like the other person might not even realize that they're sending a message of, I don't care about you. You know, maybe, for example, the older sibling who won't ever give their younger sibling time and attention. They might not realize that they're sending the message, I don't care about you, you're not valuable in my life. But that doesn't mean that that younger child is not receiving that message. So the content of the messages that they're taking in or the content of what they're observing, all of this is shaping their worldview, their view of the world of people. And also it's shaping their personal identity. We need to be sure that especially in the very young years, we are guarding and filtering out a lot of that content, keeping that content away from our kids when they're really little until we have been able to establish a healthy worldview in them and let them see truth and honestly, goodness around them. Once they have established in their mind what is good and right, when we've had a chance to teach that and establish that through being careful with what content goes in, what they're exposed to, and exposed to wholesome things versus unwholesome. If you think of the word wholesome, that is spelled W-H-O-L-E, whole. We want to give our kids whole concepts as much as possible until they're at an age where they have a basic understanding of good and bad and right and wrong. So that then when they take in information, they're able to filter they're able to say, hey, I reject that as not a healthy thing for a person to do. I am not going to receive that influence from someone. So in the very young years, we're guarding and we're filtering out that content and we're protecting. And then as they get older, now we're teaching them how to interpret what they're observing or what messages they're receiving. So number one was be intentional and proactive with the content. And number two was interpret. Teach them to interpret what they are observing and what messages they're receiving. Obviously, we can't teach them to interpret when they're really little. So they're not ready for that content. We have to protect them. It's sort of like, let's say I want to teach my kid to play basketball. And let's say I want to teach them how to dribble. I teach them how to dribble by dribbling myself, showing this is what dribbling is. If I taught them how to dribble by instead throwing the ball and saying, that's not dribbling, or just holding the ball still and say, that's not dribbling. Telling them what it's not does not give them a concept of what dribbling is. We have to start with what it is first, and then we can teach them the contrast of what is not. And also then we can be teaching them how to do it better, you know, like the lower to the ground dribbling and how we're able to be more controlled with that or how we shape our hand around the ball impacts our control of it. We start first with this is what is right. This is the worldview as God designed it. This is what good is. Okay, now I'm going to start letting you see some things that aren't as good. It's time for us to filter that. It's time for us to learn how to interpret that information. So maybe I'm not going to let them hear the news in the really young years because they're not ready to understand that there are world leaders who make dangerous decisions 
or that they're not ready to understand that there's some father out there who would mistreat their child. They're not ready for such things when they're real little. And then as they get older, then we're able to equip them to filter and equip them to guard and equip them to take off a label that has been placed on them. One last thing with that, and that is, yes, some not great content is going to come in at young ages, and we can't totally control that. We don't need to get stressed out about that, and we don't need to think we've failed as a parent. However, what we can do is for sure watch percentages of the bad stuff. Let's keep that percentage as small as possible when they're little until they have a real clear understanding of love versus hate, of good versus evil. I wanted to mention to you a resource that I have. It's free on my website. If you go to practicallyspeakingmom.com, click on resources and scroll down to family communication scripture reference tool. I know that's a really long title. Family communication scripture reference tool. It actually is a list of things that's a comparison of love versus hate, wholesome speech versus unwholesome speech, slow to anger versus quick tempered, truth versus falsehood, merciful versus easily offended, righteous anger versus unrighteous anger, uh, gentle spirit versus harsh spirit. This is a page that gives some different scriptures that you can use to teach these different things. If you wanted to use this tool first as just looking at the positive things, love, wholesome speech, slow to become angry, telling the truth, being merciful, being gentle spirited, Then as they get a little bit older or when content comes into their life where they see someone behave in a not good way, then we can help them interpret that and say, you know what, that thing that we heard about today, that was not loving. That was not caring about the people around them. That wasn't being a blessing. It wasn't honoring life. It can hurt people's feelings or it could harm them in some way. That is not who we were created to be. We were created to be loving and joyful and patient and kind. So we are helping our kids interpret these negative situations in their life. So again, the two things are we want to be intentional, which is proactive about content and percentages of negative content that your child is exposed to. And then secondly, we're helping them to interpret what they are observing or interpret what messages are coming their way and what to do with them and what messages to not create a label and stick on ourselves, but actually to reject that label and not allow it to stick on us. Well, I hope that you found this helpful. And next week, I plan on us having that conversation between my daughter, Emma, and I. One last reminder All of this month, I am celebrating the fact that I have finally brought to you an audio version of my book, Wearing All Your Hats Without Wearing Out, Finding Focus for Your Family to Be the Masterpiece God Intended It to Be. That is on audio now, and it's on my website. And for the whole month of March, I have a coupon code that I'm sending out in your email that you receive every Monday. If you're not on that email list, just go to my website, practicallyspeakingmom.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, enter your email address, and then you will be on my email list. And every Monday you'll receive an email. This month, it will include a coupon towards that audiobook, which you can also find at my website, 
practicallyspeakingmom.com, just click on shop. And then in the audio section, look for wearing all your hats without wearing out. And we'll see you here next week on the Practically Speaking Mom podcast, the place for an intentional mom to build a strong family. See you then.